faithfulness to the end. I want to welcome everybody to church this morning. It's a solemn Sunday, 8th December 2019. If you and I woke up, you, you opened your eyes and saw the dawn of a new day and you could shower and put on your clothing, even iron your clothing and put on your clothing. Whether you walked or you boarded a commercial vehicle or you drove and came to church, I wanted to say, Lord, we thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. God is faithful. Always faithful. God is faithful. Always faithful. I just believe that God wants to talk to us today and just lend me your ears, maybe in the next 30 minutes or less. I remember when we were about closing November. That was when God started speaking to my heart about what I'm going to share with you today. There's a difference between a sermon and a message. You can sit down and put verses of scripture together and build a sermon. And it is allowed and it is important. Those of us who want to become ministers of the gospel, you must learn to develop sermons that can be communicated to the flock that will follow you. Is that okay? Amen. However, especially that this church, International Prayer Resort Ministries, is a prophetic church with the leader being a prophetic person from time to time. You will discover that instead of teaching maybe in a series like we did last year where we taught in series of messages because we're building a foundation, there are times where God will just intercept your series and give a message. It may be a prophetic message. It may be an exhortation. It may be a reminder of something. It may be a warning. It may be a caution. Not just to the congregation, but most importantly, first to the one at the forefront and to the rest of the people who are following him. Are you okay? Yes, Lord. And that was the kind of experience God was giving to me towards the close of the month of November 2019. But because I knew it was an exhortation and a reminder, let me put it that way, I wouldn't have even captioned it with any title. But for the fact that last week, Sunday, when our resident pastor, Reverend Sutherland, was preaching and teaching, he made a statement. He said, those who are faithful to the end, then it was as if that statement jumped out at me. That that's it. That's the title. Faithful to the end. Can you tell your neighbor, faithful, faithful to the end. To the end. We give titles or topics to our messages so that in case one day you are searching for it, whether by DVD or a CD or a cassette, those days we used to use cassettes, or on Facebook, YouTube, wherever, on podcasts, then you can quickly search by the title. Is that okay? But it's a message. Tell me, it's a message. It's a message. So please open your heart. And it's a reminder, as a matter of fact, the scripture I'm going to read, the verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2, you will see that it's a reminder. But let's turn our Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me read from 11. Verse 14, rather. says as a reminder, but 2 Timothy 2, 11, through the first line of verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Apostle Paul was the one who wrote to Timothy, his spiritual son, and was putting him into remembrance. The King James puts it that way. He was reminding him of something which Timothy as a pastor needed to remind the rest of the congregation. And that's exactly what God was dealing with me towards the close of November. So I'm here to remind the flock, the congregation, as well as those who have been following us online since the inception of this ministry, that these are things we need to take note as we run up the year 2019. Hallelujah. Let me read from the King James Version of the Bible, then I can read the New King James as well for a reason. 2 Timothy Did I say 2 Timothy, please? 
All right, in 2 Timothy, truly. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through the first line of verse 14. 11 says, it is a faithful saying from the King James Version. It is a faithful saying for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, take note of the King James Version. The New King James puts it differently. But the King James says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. The, verse, the first line of verse 14 says, Of these things, put them in remembrance. Someone say, Amen. Let me read from the New King James Version of the Bible, which we are used to in this house. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through the first line of verse 14 from the New King James Version of the Bible. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, which the King James says, if we suffer, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. The 13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And the, and the title I would have given is the first line of verse 14. Remind them of these things. Hallelujah. But the title is faithful to the end. And it's a message of, rem, I mean, reminding the flock of what God is communicating to us through 2 Timothy chapter 2, the verses 11 through 13. Hallelujah. Or the first line of verse 14. What does it mean to be faithless? He says, if we are faithless, the King James says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. What does it mean to be faithless? Or if we believe not, Faithless, I checked from the English version, I mean, what do you call it? The English dictionary, they define it as not true to allegiance or duty. Somebody who is not true to allegiance or duty. In other words, the person starts very well, probably, but somewhere along the line, changes his or her mind, drifts, just goes off course and decides to do his or her own thing. So being faithless is not being true to allegiance or duty. And the word faithful from the English dictionary also means steadfast in affection or allegiance. In fact, faithless also can mean disloyal. Someone say disloyal. Disloyal. Faithful means steadfast in affection or allegiance and it also means loyal. Steadfast. In other words, you are consistent in affection, in allegiance. You are faithful to the end. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at how the verse 11 puts it. The verse 11 of 2 Timothy 2. He says, this is a faithful saying for if we died with him, when did we die with Jesus? Can I ask a question? When did we die with Jesus? I hope you know that in Christ Jesus, Bible considers us already dead. Or you don't know. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. The verse 1 actually tells us that if you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Then the verse 3 says, For ye are dead. Did you hear that? You are what? Dead. Dead. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's verse 2. And then verse 3 says, For and when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So in Christ Jesus, we are dead. Dead to what? Sin. And alive unto righteousness. Did you hear that? Amen. The day you said that, Jesus, I believe that if you carried my sin, 
and suffered my suffering, died my death, and went to hell in my name. The day you believe and confess that therefore Jesus is my Lord, that day you died to sin. In other words, you were unresponsive to sin. The sin nature automatically was washed from your spirit. To die means to be separated. I hope you know that. Physical death is when somebody's spirit is separated from the physical body. Spiritual death, which is more dangerous, is when somebody is eternally separated from our Father in heaven. It's dangerous to die the second death. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we died with him means that the day we believe that Jesus died for us, went to hell in our name and we confess him as our Lord, that day we were separated from sin. We were walls on the inside. We were born again. We died with him. Hallelujah. Amen. So he says, if we died with him, verse 11 again, we shall also live with him. How many believe that? How many believe that? If we died with him, then we shall also, believe, we shall also live with him. The 12 says, if we endure, and I read the King James Version for a reason, if we suffer. <laughs> I don't, we don't use that word in our modern terminology. Look at how the New King James people put it. They wanted to milden the, the suffering. So they call it endure. Well, no problem. But I, endurance is enduring what? A suffering. In other words, God just wants us to remember that so long as we live in this world, it is not our heavenly home yet. Okay? We are not yet in our heavenly home. So long as we are in this present evil world, according to Galatians 1.4, there will be some sufferings. There will be some things that will become tongues in our flesh. Like Jesus told us in John 16, 13, he says that these things I've spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have troubles, tribulation. So, so long as we are still in this world, it's not surprising when trouble strikes. Am I communicating? The believer shouldn't be surprised. In fact, it should serve as a, a reminder and as a wake-up call that, oh, I remember this is not our home. So that you will look forward to his coming, whether by death or by life. Hallelujah. Amen. If we suffer, if we endure, look at what the Bible says. We shall also reign with him. How many of us want to reign with Christ? Peter tells us the same thing. He talks about suffering with Christ. He said, after you have suffered for a while, then you shall be established. So there's a place for Christian suffering. It's not taught from our pulpits in, in, in the 21st century generation. I'm not talking about when you go and steal a goat for Christmas and then they beat you up and break your leg. That's not what I'm referring to, please. That is suffering for your own for, foolishness. I mean, your own misbehavior and misconduct. I'm talking about Christian suffering in this context. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we love you. Then the next one says, if this is more dangerous, if we deny him, what did he say? He will pamper you? No. Look, God is a God of justice, just as he's a God of mercy, except that his mercy triumphs over judgment. So many times he tempers judgment with mercy because he knows us. He knows our frailty. He knows how weak we are. He knows how we can yield to temptation easily. So many times he says, it's okay. But that does not rule out the fact that he is also a God of justice. He doesn't rule out that fact. So he says, if you deny him, Paul is reminding us and the Spirit of God is reminding International Prayer Resort Ministries today. He says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Ever read that in your Bible? He also will deny us. It's as simple as that. God will also deny you. If you say, I don't know him. If you say that, oh, this God, if God were in existence, if there was ever a God, why should this happen to me? Therefore, I don't want this God any longer. The day you say that, God also say me to also don't know you. That will not make you an automatic child of God. There is nothing like one saved 
forever saved. I've taught that in this house before. There is nothing like that. Never believe that so long as you are a child of God, your name will remain in the Lamb's book of life till... No, there is nothing like that. Other than that, he wouldn't have told us that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, there is a place where we are pushed to the wall through sufferings. There is a place where we are pushed to the wall through our endurance, patience, endurance. And there is also the temptation that in that moment, you may say, enough of this God. Even in our world, it's even better. Do you know that as we're talking, there are other parts of the world where some people, just like it happened in the first century church and it happened in the, in the dark ages. It's all happening in some parts of the world where some people are put to the stakes. They are given opportunity to deny Christ publicly or suffer some mishap. And they choose to go through the mishap. Some are thrown to lions. For lions to eat them up. Some are burned alive. The man who wrote the book of Revelations, John the Apostle, we are told that he was boiled in oil, a pan of oil, but he didn't die. And out of frustration that this man is not dying, then they put him to the island of Patmos. That's where he got the book of Revelation for us. That was Christian suffering. But at no point did John say that, ah, if this God were in existence, he wouldn't have allowed them to fry me in oil. Then I forget about this God. John didn't do that. We are reminded this morning, don't do that. Hallelujah. Amen. In moments of suffering, in moments of pain, in moments of endurance, patient endurance, whatever you may be going through, listen, it can never be compared to what we would have gone through if not for Jesus Amen. who carried my sin and your sin and who died my death and your death, who went to hell in my name and in your name. Do you know what it means to go to hell? Because all those who are in hell from there, the Bible says they will appear before the white throne judgment and then after they have been re-examined. It's, 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 it's like, come and, come and find out whether your name is in the book of life. Once your name is not there, it's not God's fault. You chose to go to the everlasting fire. I choose to call it that way. Everlasting fire prepared, not for any human being, but for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. All those who don't have any relationship with Jesus, that is their ultimate destination. And there is nothing worse than that. That is the second death, the Bible calls it. That is eternal death. That is worse than physical death. For the believer, physical death is absent from the body, present with the Lord. Are you there? For the believer. But for the unbeliever, the one who never believed in Jesus, what happens is that absent from the body, then the real suffering happens. For instance, somebody thinks that, oh, I'm going through so much suffering, so I'm going to take away my life. Well, you didn't create that life. So the life you didn't create, if you take it away, will you go to heaven? No. So whereas you thought that committing suicide will end your suffering, it's actually the beginning of the real suffering. Now that you have visited the body, you, you meet the one that gave you that idea, Satan, who is a father of lies. And then he, he being in hell is like being in cell. You have not been judged yet. And for thousands of years, many have been in that cell under the torment of Satan and his demons. But ultimately, those people will be judged, including Satan himself, including the demons themselves. And then even hell itself and death, all will be cast into the everlasting fire. Please think about it. Can you imagine an environment full of fire, full of burning, where hell is, where death is, where Satan and his demons are, and you, human being, what are you doing there? Say thank you, Jesus. So, as we run up the year, I believe God wanted us to, rem I mean, to remember these things because they are hinged upon the, the vision and the mission of this house. It's an end-time prophetic church with the passion to help this generation walk with God. Walk with God. How can two walk together? The Bible says, except they, they are in agreement. The King James says, except they be agreed. That's a good poetic language. How can two walk together? Except they are in agreement. So if God is faithful and you choose to become faithless, the two don't go together. 
The King James says, if we believe not. not why do you come to the place where you say, mm, I, don't, I don't just believe this God. I don't believe that he ever exists. I ever told you a story about somebody who championed the cause of Christ during secondary school days. We are looking up to him because we all got converted around the same time. December 1990 into early 1991. We became firebrands in secondary school. He was one year ahead of me. Firebrand. He was in form 5, I was in form 4. Firebrands now preaching second term. Preaching. But his condition was that because he messed up most of the time before he got born again, then he was going to use the opportunity to move from school to school where he was, you know, misbehaving in the Kowu, you know, rich area to just go and convert all the ladies he has messed up with. So that was his mission. And he did that. And he would be for that if he remained faithful. I'm just glad that he came back to the faith. But what happened was that when we vacated second term and we came home, he said, come and see your, I won't mention his name because we are live. Come and see your, come and see your, you will say you are Krife, come and see your, and everybody was describing him as senior. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Because we were preachers. Secondary school, if he was not the one preaching, I'm the one preaching. Every day. Publicly. Come and see your smoking, drinking. Everyone who told me, I said, I never believe this. I said, oh, I will never. It's not true. Until third term. Vacation. Preparing for form five. We were going for long vacation classes. Then I met him somewhere. Without anybody telling me, I knew that what the people were saying was true. Because his mouth had become darkened. You know when somebody smokes? I was like, wow. So this is true. I said, what happened? Out of shame, he said one or two things. But glory be to God, in 1995, at the Laboni Secondary School Park, when Maurice Cerullo, I'm right, came to Ghana, I saw him as an usher serving the Lord. I said, thank you, Father, for bringing this brother back to the faith. Hallelujah. Someone say, faithful to the end. Don't become faithless when things get tough. I'm going to show you a scripture and I will tell you some examples. Hallelujah. Are you ready? I'm going to show you a scripture. Philemon. It's one book, Philemon. Or Philemon. My physics teacher says pronunciation is a matter of taste. So, Philemon or Philemon, whichever that one tastes sweet in your mouth, you should say it. It should be after Hebrews, right? Or am I right? Before, sorry. You see, you. Let us sing the book of Moses. We must all go back to the books. Okay. Philemon or Philemon, verses 23 and 24. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Apostle Paul is the author of this book, one chapter book. In verse 23, he was rounding up his letter. Then he said, Epaphras. Remember, we've spoken about Epaphras a lot in Colossians uh, 6.12. But here he's mentioning his name. He said, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner. In Christ Jesus greets you. Then in 24, he says, As do Mark. Do you remember Mark? How many remember Mark? Mark was a companion of Paul and Barnabas until the battle became tough. The Christian journey is not an easy road. And Barnabas deserted Paul and Barnabas. I'm sorry, Mark deserted Paul and Barnabas. And so, somewhere along the line, it became a rift between Paul and Barnabas. And that's how they even separated. Because when Mark wanted to come back, Paul said, no, 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 this guy is not, he's not straightforward. He's not consistent. He's faithless. When it gets tough, you run away. I cannot trust such a person. Oh yeah, go. Barnabas says, no, let's give him a second chance. It became a strong contention. Paul and Barnabas, who were called by God, by the Spirit of God, they were, the Bible says in Acts 12, is it Acts 12, or Acts 13 rather, Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've sent them. So God called the two, but because of Mark, they separated. Are you there? So Barnabas went with Mark. Yeah? Or Mark 
went with Barnabas and then Paul took Silas. That is how, somewhere along the line, you find Paul and Silas instead of Paul and Barnabas. But towards the close of the ministry of Paul, he wrote a letter and said that, send me John Mark for he is profitable to me in ministry. I'm sure Paul had learned through, you know, the changing scenes of life that look, there are sometimes you just have to cool down. Can you tell me about cool down? It's not every time that you have to apply law, 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 law. You must learn like God, temper judgment with mercy. So he called for Mark. And I believe Mark responded. So Mark, towards the close of Paul's ministry, became a companion of, of Paul again. So he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as do Mark. So Mark was with him. Then he said, Aristarchus. Demas, or you can call it Demas, which one? Demas, Luke, you remember Luke? He is the author of Acts and the book of Luke. He was a physician. Luke, my fellow, my fellow laborers. They were fellow laborers. In other words, they were also apostles. When you say is a fellow, it means that you are in the same class. And also, they were also apostles. But the chief apostle was Apostle Paul himself. So, we see Paul commending Demas in this particular book and mentioning names and he mentioned Demas. But let me show you a scripture. Paul was writing to Timothy and then he mentioned Demas again. 2 Timothy 4. 10 there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 10. The same Demas that Paul spoke about in Philemon 24. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.10 that for, he said that, no, let me take it from verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. He was telling Timothy, please come. I need you around. For Demas, or Demas, has forsaken me. Having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Christians for Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. We don't know whether these Christians and Titus also deserted. I don't think so. But the specific name Paul mentioned here was Demas has forsaken me. Listen, before I continue that line. Demas has what? Forsaken me. Do you know that if Demas forsook Paul the Apostle and for instance joined Peter the Apostle, Apostle Peter, the rock, Simon Peter. Do you know there's nothing wrong with that? After all, I've just cited an example for a reason that somewhere along the line, God called Paul and Barnabas. And then they took John Mark along with them. But John Mark was a dadaba. He was not used to the rough life. In fact, the church that was in Jerusalem was held in his home. That tells you that they were rich. It was in John Mark's home. They had, you know, the facility to accommodate church people. So he was brought up, not in the rough way, but in the cool way. You understand? So it was not John Mark's fault, per se, to run away. When the battle, I mean, can you imagine going to do church and then they stone all of you? And several times Paul received stones. Not only just stones, rod. They beat them up with rod. Mark said, no, this one can't take it any longer. You run away. If you, you and I were in his shoes, we would have done the same. Especially when you were not the one who was called. It was Paul and Barnabas. They were in a meeting, as 13. And the Holy Ghost said, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas. The name Mark was never mentioned. So Mark was only carried along. So when the thing got tough, he left them. But you see, the thing became so much of a contention that even the ones that were called, Paul and Barnabas, had to separate but when they separated, here is the point I'm making. When they separated, instead of John Mark abandoning the faith, instead of John Mark leaving the things of God, he so followed Barnabas. Are you there? And so I said that to say there is nothing wrong when Demas forsakes Paul the apostle and joins Peter the apostle. There's nothing wrong. It has happened in church age, throughout church history, even international prayer resort ministries, it has happened several times. How many of us came here and you got born again here? Not many. Many of us were in other churches and also 
you forsook so to speak your pastor and then you join hallelujah are you there likewise we may find some people that may leave this house they forsake this house and then they join another ministry and I have no problem with that in fact such people receive my blessing so long as they remain in the faith the key point is that be faithful to the end you don't leave the community of saints, the communion of saints. You don't leave a church environment and now love this present world. Demas forsook Paul the apostle. He said that for Demas has forsaken me, it should have ended there. If Paul had not told us, we would have thought that, oh, maybe Demas has also forsaken Paul because of the rough, you know, times that Paul was going through and has joined somebody else. But he forsook Paul and loved this present world. Do you know this present world? Bible says all that is in the world is what? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's all that is in this world. There's nothing more. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And all these three, they will lead to one thing called death. Not just physical devil. Anytime I talk about death, take note. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about eternal death. For the wages of sin is death. Not physical death. But eternally separated from God. So you can imagine somebody who was in the faith now becoming faithless. Somebody who was loyal to God and to Paul the Apostle now leaves Paul the Apostle. He should have been loyal to somebody else but he was now disloyal to God and disloyal to himself. He didn't know. He had forsaken Paul the Apostle having loved this present world. Galatians 1.4 calls this present world, is a present evil world. So it means that Demas now loved evil more than good. Tell your neighbor, never do that. Remain faithful to the end. That is why we read that scripture. He says that if we become, if we are faithless, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What does that mean? It means that God, his word is even above his name. So long as somebody is there who trusts him, he will still manifest. He will not, it will not change God because you left him. He still remains faithful. But if we're going to work with him as a church and as a people and as an end time generation, we have to learn to be faithful just like God is faithful. Hallelujah. Let me tell you a very powerful story. And those who are sleeping, wake up. It's important you hear this. Because little did I know when God was preparing my heart for today's message, little did I know that God already knew some things ahead of time. Is that okay? Little did I know. Permit me to just share some experiences that some of us have had in recent times, especially when it comes to this ministry, International Prayer Resort Ministries. I never knew how it feels like to be at the forefront of a group of people until I became one. Are you there? Nobody was born and he started leading. All of us were once followers including Moses. He once followed Pharaoh's daughter as his mother. He followed Pharaoh in the palace. But somewhere along the line, I'm sure because it was his mother who was grooming him, you know by providence, I'm sure his mother was whispering to his ears that see, you are not an Egyptian, no, you are Hebrew. You better know that you are Hebrew. So when he was 40, he came to that awareness that mm, I should not love this world. I told you last week that this world is symbolic of uh, Egypt is symbolic of the world. Bible says that he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, Hebrews chapter eleven, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So Moses made a choice that see, 
I'm going to go with the people who are suffering. The Israelites were suffering under Pharaoh, but he chose to be amongst such people. And that suffering eventually led him to become a self-exiled person. You remember, he, he killed somebody in the process of separating a, a, you know, a Jew and an Egyptian. The second time, the, 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 the Egyptian, is it the Egyptian who said, that, look, we know you. You think we didn't see you when you killed the first Egyptian? We know. So Moses discovered that he was exposed. So he ran away into self-exile for another 40 years. I thought that at 80, he should have retired. But God came to him and said, that, I'm sending you. It's your time. Moses said, but I'm a stammerer. He said, don't worry. I will send your brother, Aaron. He will talk for you. Moses gave all the excuses and then he went on this mission. Listen, I'm just telling you what leaders go through. Moses, out of God's compulsion, God compelled him to do this work. And he went in there. We saw some few weeks ago how he performed, or God, through his hands, performed mighty wonders until finally the blood that separated the Egyptians and the Israelites was applied. And then Moses led them out. First through the wilderness, then to the, through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then on their way to the promised land, even before they, they, they crossed the sea, they, the people started. Some said, Moses, why have you brought us here? Were there no graves? And they took stones. They were going to stone him. Moses himself started crying. God said, why are you crying to me? Stretch off your rod towards the sea and divide it. They went through dry ground. That should have been enough conviction to say that, see, the God that can part a sea into two, I've never seen it before. He can see us through. But even that, when there was no food and they were eating the food of angels, they kept on telling Moses, manna. Manna. Manna means, what is this? We call it manna. It means manna. What is this? We are tired of this food. We want the cucumber. We want the onion. We want the garlic. We want flesh. And they pressurized Moses until at a point in time, Moses could not take it any longer. The man who was described as the meekest person on this earth, when God has spoken to him first time, speak to the rock, he did. And water came out. Out of annoyance, God said, second time, no, first time, strike the rock. Second time, speak to the rock. The man out of annoyance. He said, you people are so stubborn. Bam! 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 He struck the rock several times. God said, Moses, what have you done? I'm painting a picture. Bible said the rock that followed them was Christ. So Christ was to be smitten once. The first time he smote the rock, water came out. Second time you are supposed to call on him. Why did you strike the rock several times? Because of what you have done. You will see the promised land, but your legs will never get there. Are you there? I think that Moses, when he bargained with God at the age of 80, this was around 120, another 40 years. At the age of 80, it should have been enough. But 40 years of all the sufferings he went through, the people that were following. And that is what I experienced in my little few years of leadership in ministry. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're leading the people, you may not know their hearts. Some are for you. Some are against you. But that should not make anybody say that because of that, I'm abandoning God. When you are faithless, I am supposed to remain faithful. Even Jesus went through the same thing. There was a time, listen, there was a time. And I'm saying this story to come and tell you a major story you must hear. Is that okay? Even Jesus, there was a time he preached a message. Do you know the message? Anybody who does not eat my flesh and drink my blood is not part of me. Please be sincere if you were living the days of Jesus. And the man comes to you and says that until you, Apostle Peter, you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. How would that have been your. You say what? Grandmaster. Oh, that's called Grandmaster. <laughs> Did you hear Apostle Peter? He said he would have branded Jesus automatically. This is Grandmaster, called Grandmaster. You now drink blood and you eat flesh. No, 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 no. So, what would have been your reaction? Such a person, would you follow him? I run away. You run away. So please, do we blame the people? Jesus preached this message, and do you know what happened? Bible says that, and everybody deserted Jesus. Are you there? Everybody deserted Jesus. 
and it was left with only the twelve. Can you imagine? This was a man who had gathered crowd upon crowd. Yes, the crowd is not the congregation, but there were some who became members of, I mean, they, they became disciples. To the extent that at the time Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, it was only left with 120. But they were in their thousands before. They all left the man. Because they said, no, no this man is a murderer. You, you want me to eat your flesh and drink your blood? They deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and said, will you also go? Hallelujah. So, leadership has its style. And I pray that one day when you wear the shoes of leadership, you will appreciate these things better. Hallelujah. Amen. Why am I saying this? Friday, by the grace of God, we had our baptism. This should be the third baptism, right? We had our third baptism at the Laboma Beach Resort, which is closer than where we used to do. So those of us who have not been baptized in water yet, I believe that early next year, this time we can make it every quarter so that we will fulfill all righteousness. And I have a message on podcast. I know our pastor taught those who were baptized, you know, all that they need to know. But we need to make reference to some of these things because that's the foundation of the Christian faith. Hallelujah. So yeah. after our baptism in the morning, I went through some assignments because I need to do them. You understand? Then I went home. Then somewhere along the line, I was supposed to do something for the home. That's in the evening. But I had a call from one of our brothers, Saf Sajidofusu, that if I could pass by his house in Burma Camp. So, I said, if I go, chances are that I will have to rush back home because of this assignment. So let me do this assignment first, then I can have the free time. Because God put on my heart that after I visited him, I should visit one of us who hasn't been well for a very long time. Most of us who are new to this ministry, for instance, may not even know the person I'm talking about. Because I think early this year, she was around. And ever since, you know, many of us haven't seen her around. So that was my plan. And lo and behold, it worked out perfectly. So I visited South Sajidofusu. And should I tell you what happened there? Good meal. Courtesy, Mrs. Sajidofusu. I'm telling you. Good. <laughs> You're laughing. Then after that, I drove straight to this sister's house because she has not been well. And most of the times, I have followed you know, the medical proceedings, I have, you know, that kind of thing. Do you know, let me tell you something, I'm saying this to connect to the message, I didn't know that these were the things that God had ahead. That is why he gave this message that remind them of these things. I stood by this sister who hitherto, because of the pain, had become, you know, restless and you know, aggressive. But for the first time on Friday evening, she was the calmest person I'd ever seen. Very calm. And for about one and a half hours, I spent about three to four hours there, but for one and a half hours, this sister started reminding me of dreams she has personally told me. At a point in time, her mother even called me and then finishing with the mom, she she was waiting for me to tell me this. And I realized that it was needful that I hear this and the church also hears this. So that should it happen, it will never take anybody by surprise. Is that okay? So when I came back to the room, she was like, do you remember? So let me continue with the dream. Do you remember I told you that I had a dream? And in the dream, it was IPR. And everybody was in black, black. I said, yes, I remember very well. And I remember that dream very well. Then, she said, as I came in, she was dreaming. And she was wishing that she would tell me this particular dream also. Lo and behold, I came in. How God arranged that I should go in that Friday evening, only God knows. But I needed to hear this. He said, it was like the dream continued from the one that I told you because as the people were in black, black, all of a sudden, and hear this one, all of a sudden, people started leaving the church. Are you there? She was referring to which church? IPR. All of a sudden, people started leaving the church. And 
some of the things people were saying was that which kind of church is this and which kind of leader is this that everybody is dying around him are you there which kind of church is this which kind of leader is this that everybody is dying around him and they were leaving until almost everybody left she told me this in the dream I mean in the interaction she was narrating a dream then when everybody left it was left with about three, four people and the place was dry. The place was empty. Then, as if God wanted to show the end, all of a sudden, she found out that the church was not where it was, but it was as if it was in the forest area. And then people were wondering, how will people come to this forest area? How will people even know that there is a church here? Then, by the command of whatever, I'm quoting here, from the north, from the south, from the west, from the east, people started trooping in. All over, people started trooping into the church and people were jubilating, rejoicing that, wow, it's a good church. But the things she said afterwards made me know that something is happening. She said, in the church, she saw flowers, beautiful flowers, that were surrounding the whole church environment. So that when people go through the flowers, the smell of the flowers remain on them. So you go out and you are sweet-scented. You go out and everybody just loves you. You carry something. Apart from flowers that were all over the place, she also saw that there were rivers flowing around the church environment. Are you there? Then she mentioned something that made me know that, mm, this one is more than earth. She said she also saw the land was flowing with milk and honey. Quickly, my mind was like, this is heaven. Are you there? This is what? Heaven. Faithful to the end. Hallelujah. Amen. But she said, I'm telling you these things. I'm quoting her. I'm telling you these things so that should anything happen, you know that there is a beautiful end. There's a glorious end. And at the end was better than the beginning. She said all these things and somewhere along the line, I had to leave the house because it was getting late. Little did I know that in less than 12 hours after I had communicated with this sister, we were here yesterday, right? This was Friday evening experience. Yesterday I came wanting to come and lead prayer. Two minutes past 10 a.m., the mother of the sister called. It was a distress call. So, I had to quickly call Pastor Sutherland please hand, take over as I rushed to this particular place because I had a distress call. And when I entered, I saw that the person had left her body behind but she herself is come to the very place where she described the night before. Are you there? Yes. Tell your neighbor, faithful, faithful to the end. To the end. I'm sharing this with you. It was a one and a half hour narration. I've just summarized everything. I'm saying what you need to hear with you so that should anything happen. Even if anybody, whether here or will later on join, leaves this house, my joy will be that leave and join a ministry that will help you to remain in Christ till he comes. But don't leave Samuel Excellence and then go and love this present world. Don't give up on God. Edmond, I want us to start preparing a song in that direction, okay? Don't give up on God. We'll sing that song. Because he won't give up on you. He's what? He's able. Don't give up on God. Never at any given time come to the place where you say, this God, I think that he was not fair. This brother I was talking to you about, do you know why he went back to the world? He said, if God was God and God existed, this is somebody who had preached consistently and many St. Peter's guys got born again. This was a boys' school. You will come to our Protestant church and it was overflow. I'm telling you, boys crying. There were no girls, so there was no pretense. 
boy is crying. This was somebody who converted souls. But he went back to the world and said that if God existed, I wouldn't have gone through this. Why should he, God, make me fail? He blamed his failure on all level on God because he was doing God's work. He felt that having wasted his life, he should win all those girls he had messed up with. And so he used second term from five to be winning souls. So God should have made him pass. And since he didn't pass, God didn't exist. Is that fair to God? That's not fair to God. So when things get tough, and it seems like, ah, this was what I expected from God, and it didn't work out that way, what do you do? Remain faithful to the end. All I know is that this is that I've spoken about. There's a, there's a scripture in, in, in Ephesians. It says, the family of God, which is in heaven and on earth. Did you see our family? Part of the family is in heaven. Part of it is in earth. So we have a portion of us who have already gone ahead and they are in a gallery, as it were, cheering us on. Some are praying, wishing that what they couldn't achieve in their lifetime, God will grace some of us to do it on their behalf. Because over there, you know, just as you are known, she has joined the cloud of witnesses. Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Are you there? She has joined the spirits of just men made perfect, according to Hebrews 12. She has. She is not lost. I told you, when my mom passed on 21st November, I was standing by the bedside, the doctor came and said, sorry for your loss. Just like yesterday, because yesterday, when I went there, we had to organize an ambulance and followed, I followed the ambulance boot for boot, tailgating, they say. So we reached at seven. And then I was called into a conference room, chilling. I said, I know what you're going to say already because 21st November, I heard the same thing. Sorry for your loss. This time I didn't preach, but on the first I preached. And I said, this is not loss. This is victory over sickness and disease. Are you there? When a believer leaves this body, Painful as it is, child of God, it's a painful thing because this may be a sister, this may be a brother, this may be a friend, this may be a husband, this may be a wife, this may be a relation. So painful as it is because we can't find the person any longer, it should also awaken in us a certain longing that whether by death or by life, me too, I will go there. And I preach by life because that is the message of this house. But should it happen that one day, if Jesus tarries and somebody goes by death, the person should die in the Lord. So Bible says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I came to remind this house that God requires of us to be faithful Amen. to the end. Amen. Don't give up on God. Can you pick it for me? Don't give up on God. Don't. Don't give up on God because he's not going to give up on you. If you deny him, he will also deny you. But don't deny him. No matter what happens. 